Welcome back to the Coruscant Nights podcast. We're here to talk about the third episode of Ahsoka here today called Time to Fly. And Mark, it's your time to fly. Give us your... Uh, my turn to fly. Room. Well, I think like the episode, I'm going to keep mine short and sharp. <laughs> and I am going to say that I think it was a good episode. It was entertaining, as well, especially the dogfight was fun. But I feel like it... In terms of how long the episode was, it dragged on a bit too long. And I think the episode was pretty much just filler. What is it again? Is it eight episodes for this season? Yep. Yeah, yeah eight episodes. And, and this one, I mean, I didn't think there was a whole lot of story development. All that I would say really happened in terms of story was that Ahsoka and Sabine found out about the hyperspace ring. And uh, we got to see a little bit, and I like this part especially of the episode, seeing a bit of the... Uh, interplay between General Sindela and Chancellor Mon Mothma, which I actually found really cool that she's become Chancellor of the New Republic after all her time in the Rebellion. So who knows even if we'll, if there's going to be more an Andor, we might even get to see how that progresses. But overall, I think, uh, yeah, I think it was a good, fun episode, but I think it was lacking in terms of story. I just hope we get to see, I really want to see Thrawn. Yeah, yeah. I think everyone does. I, mean, I have a feeling we're going to have to wait a while to see him. Yeah, um, I don't know. I well, we'll see what happens next week, because um, yeah. that'll kind of be the decisive episode halfway through the season. Mm. Um, Jack, do you want to give us a? Yeah, yeah, I'd love go? to. Um, so, I reckon you're. We're speaking about what just happened. Then I reckon Thrawn. I don't. I hope they don't go the way of the Moff Gideon in the first couple seasons, where especially first season when Moff just came like literally the final two episodes. Like when you do something like that, it kind of just. I don't. It, it doesn't make me as scared or feared of the villain because you don't see how they're kind of structured or how they're going about their plan. Like if they just shoehorn Thrawn kind of into this, like oh, we're not going to see his perspective until they go to that other galaxy. Then that's just going to be like kind of like why like why not have his perspective? Why not show him the struggles and perils that he needs, you know, to get back into this galaxy. But um, going back to the episode, uh, I really did think once again, I thought the visuals were strong. I thought the acting was still strong. However, the pacing in this one felt almost longer than the 50 minute one and more happened in the 50 minute one than this one. Like I found myself pausing it like a little bit in the dogfight going, well, how much time is left? Because the whole training sequence with Ahsoka and Sabine went for like so long, but it was not even that long. Like, but you know what I mean? It has that feeling that it was just dragging. And yeah, dragging. it feels like it was dragging on a bit. Yeah, and I was like, like I don't mind it, like because obviously it's Star Wars content, right? We all love Star Wars content, but coming off the second episode on how that ended with Morgan kind of in the Eye of Siron, or I think it is, or uh, something like that. Um. It just kind of made you feel that Thrawn was going to be like that. Imagine like if it, I was high feeling that Thrawn could have been like the opening shot of like this episode, like him walking like wherever he is, kind of like boom, like we're here, we're in the serious mode now. Mm. Instead, we kind of just got boom, some cool weird General Grievous training arms on <laughs> on, on the droid. Um, but I was I like, think if they, of... I think if they included Thrawn at the start, it would have kept us engaged a bit more throughout mm. the episode. Exactly. This is one of my criticisms that I didn't actually tell these um, these guys here before the podcast, but I actually thought that it started off real slow and it kind of lost me a little bit because I was like, 
we're going back to just, you know, here we go, Ahsoka's trying to train Sabine. Sabine's going to be like, I can't do this. And in my head, I just played out the whole thing that ended up happening anyway. I was like, they're going to talk about the weird force thing that she's blocked off from it again and all this kind of stuff. So I was a bit like, when the other two episodes started off quite strong, I was like, this one did not, like, bring me into the chair again, going, oh, yeah, we're back right into mm-hmm. the action where let's get the story kicked off. It was just a bit more like, oh, we're starting off pretty monotone and chill. Yeah. Uh, I was like, I don't know how, like, the next one has to start off strong considering how it ended off them in the forest and stuff. Like, there's no way it can't be. But um, dog fighting was cool. I, yet again, though, feel like it was a lot of plot armor again, I, you can say, because of the shields and stuff. But, wow, how did the the bad guys' ships not even, like, do much damage? To, well, to, to in regard to that, all... I was actually thinking while watching the episode, once they were disabled and the shield was down, yeah, they not... show they show the ship get, taking a lot of hits. But there's yeah. really no damage, so I don't know if the ship yeah. was just heavily armored, or if no the uh, or if the fighters were extremely light armored armaments. But yeah. I feel like it should have done more damage than, than yeah. nothing. Which exactly, nothing. I thought it would almost like when they got hit by the massive ring thing, it would have them sent into the Earth's atmosphere. I mean, the Earth, the planet's <laughs> atmosphere, and have them crash land kind of on that thing. But my favorite shot. Uh, it was Ahsoka fighting in space. I thought it was it was just really cool, and I really okay. dug the vibe of that and how she like just you know stood up and carried her her own and protected Sabine at the same time. But yeah, I don't know. It was just it was a fun episode, and as Cooper will mention when he goes on these bit, he goes it felt very Rebels like, which which I agree and I like. It's not a criticism. It's more the fact that Rebels have like twenty or like. 15 to 20 something episodes in a season there mm. you can afford to have just a fun chill yep. nothing storyline wise but when it's eight episodes and when it's live action it just elevates like the whole story like it should be more than just a regular like animation cartoon thing so that's why my rating you'll see when this comes out too it, it's just i don't know it was just a bit lackluster for me which kind of i'm not hating on the episode i, I just think it should have been a lot better in terms of yep. um, storytelling wise, which I completely I think, agree. Yeah. So, uh, Cooper, I'd be interested to see your your perspective of this. Okay. Well, before I even get into my things, I just want to make a couple of comments on what you said, Jack, because a couple of things yep. have caught my attention. First thing, you said that next episode has to start strong. I agree. And based off of trailer footage, it seems like we will be with um, mm-hmm. a couple of lightsaber fights in the forest, which would be cool. I don't want that to be the whole episode. I would like to see mm. some, you know, movement towards wow. the other galaxy. Yeah. Um, but I was just going to say this probably was, in my opinion, the weakest ending of the three episodes. The first one was suspense about what happened to Sabine, even though you knew she wasn't going to die. I'm blanking on the second episode. What happened at the end of the second one? It was um after the conversation after the hologram with um Balin, Marok, uh, Shin, and Morgan on the ship, and it had this Morgan's face at the end, like doing a, like a suspicious smile. That's and Balin was, like, oh, was saying it would be a shame to kill another Jedi. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. So that's quite that's intriguing to get Balin's. Yeah, yeah. Mm. This one was just like they're in the forest. Go hunt them. It's kind of. I mean, it does allude like to something that's going to happen. He- but. In this episode, Balin only had one scene, but I feel like I don't know. I really liked. I really liked how he wasn't in, in that scene. Um, like he seemed always, really menacing. He's well, always a screen presence. It's yeah. crazy. 
I was going to say the camera lingered on him for a good 20 seconds before it cut <laughs> to black. I thought it, he showed up, Ray Stevenson showed a lot of complexion in his face yeah. in that time. He was kind of like, why am I doing Doubts. this? Oh, it's because I have to. Doubts. Yeah. yeah. Doubts. Um, you mentioned the spacewalk before with Ahsoka. I thought that was really well done. Um, I thought it was a very much similarity to Ezra in the season three finale of Rebels when he went out onto the wing of the, I think it was the ghost or maybe it was the Star Destroyer. I can't remember, but uh, that just reminded me of that. Also, I will mention in the trailer, there was one shot of Ahsoka in the blue suit, in the space suit that I was like, oh, I wonder if she's in a New Republic suit. Um, and I was like, oh, it's a spacesuit in this episode. I'm glad we got the confirmation that that's what it was. Because I'm like, oh, that's a bit odd. Why would she be wearing something different in, in uh, when I saw it in the trailer? My last point. Sorry, I'm just going on. Uh, my most Rebels moment in this episode was when the whales came in. It was the exact same music as the finale of season four. And that gave me goosebumps. I loved it. It was, be- it it was, was a beautiful awesome. moment. Yeah, and they looked really good. It they didn't did. look like, the CGI didn't look too like it looked realistic, but also kind of animated style, which I thought was a perfect, mm. perfect yeah. mix. Love yeah. it. So those are just my responses to you. Um, I'll just briefly go over what I, I thought. I liked the episode. I thought the pacing was phenomenal uh, for a thirty-minute mm-hmm. episode. I think it did the best at showing, um, and then not a complete story, but enough of a story to warrant being an episode i guess i know that kind of goes against what you guys are saying hmm? it was closer to 40 though however that's so true you would say it's more 40 minute than a 30 like well i don't 35 think i think it was when you include the credits yeah but 37 with, with credits 35 i think without so it's still kind of closer to okay. 40 in my opinion well yeah so I'd, I'd, yeah yeah either way i thought it was pretty good pacing. I think definitely the first two episodes felt slow. I do kind of agree that the start of this episode was slow, but I think overall it was um, structured a lot better. Um, and the dogfight obviously being so long keeps you entertained in what's going on. Um, other than that, I, I really didn't have much wrong with this episode. I thought it was very similar to the vibe that episode one and two were given off. I do agree that we should get more story like progression especially at this stage but i'm not too worried at the moment um look yeah i think it's the the thing that worries me and i and i discussed this before we started recording um but with the most recent tv shows that have come out excluding andor because they kind of did their whole arc released at once which is probably Mm. uh, in terms of how the other shows did with its beginning being slow, which I think is doing it again. So I did make a video of uh, one of the first ones of the channel, I think of the Boba Fett one. And even though I wasn't a fan of it, the first two episodes kind of still hooked me in, right? I thought probably they were the strongest episodes with Boba Fett actually in the show, <laughs> not the Mando episode. And, um, but when episode three came along, that's when I started to like, Ooh, Obi-Wan. The first two, actually, no, everyone was different. The first two I didn't like at all, in, and the third one wasn't great either. So that was still an already down one. But now Ahsoka's third one's kind of, Ahsoka's third one's kind of uh, got me on the the worried side, you can say. Just, you know, just, like, yeah. Just okay. quickly, I was going to say, 
Obi-Wan episode three was good because that was the one where Darth Vader like choked out all of the villagers. Was that I think that was no, four. That was three. Three, was three. No, three was the one where he um went to the planet to get Leia. And the Inquisitor and Reva um stabbed um what's it called? Because he because Reva tells Obi-Wan that Darth alive. Nope. Two is two is still on the two is still on the Tatooine, isn't it? I think it was. I think the mm. end of three had Darth Strode in the back to tank. Anyway. Yeah, anyway, yeah, even yeah, if, sorry, it is, sorry. if it is that one that you were thinking about, Cooper, that was that was a pretty cool scene. However, in my head anyway, the first three wasn't that strong. And with Ahsoka, after the first two that we got last week, I was pretty high hopes. I was like, oh, mm. like it's on the right track. Then this one came in. It's not that it was bad. It was more that it's doing the thing where it's like it's dragging out a simple here to hear story and i'm just like why why like why i need to know the rest of yeah the show to understand, if they, they but, kept yeah. if they kept the 40 odd minute episode like they did one and two i reckon mm. this whole episode could have been done in about 10 minutes of the episode exactly. maybe 15 if you include the other little bits like with the chancellor and standards and the jedi mm. training but mm. i think i was gonna say like, the dog fighting bit and when they go to the planet i feel like that could have been a quarter of a 40 minute length episode yeah it was cool to see the dog fighting and stuff but it's, it's almost cool. like they, it's almost like they just were like yeah we, we want an episode with just space dog fight and i was like well i don't know if anyone really wants to have just that you know what i mean i think more, more people would want a well-written you know progression with plot like i'm not saying i'm not saying shows and movies are defined by their plot but like when it when you come to an episodic form of this kind of thing you want like well thought out structured to each episode like if because you want to be able to watch it on its own and still enjoy it but also know that there's a like a next step to it with this one here mm-hmm. on its own it's almost like if i watch these three all together i'll be like wow this is taking a long time just for something so simple you know what i mean like i was like when are we going to actually get to the actual plot because this is not the the, the isi is not the plot this is the thing that gets you to the point. Yes, you know what I mean? exactly, exactly. So it's like this is not the momentous part of the season. Where, where, where's the other galaxy? We, like, we didn't, yeah, we didn't see it. any development, in my opinion, at least, towards getting to or coming from another galaxy. Yeah. And same with, I mean, it's related, but Thrawn and Ezra, we didn't, haven't had anything about those two, and they're obviously what the plot is about. Mm. So you know, if we're already almost halfway through the season, we've really had no movement on that front yeah i was gonna say like with Andor, right it, it was a very you would like to say it's a heavily dialogue focused show right however each episode and each i know there was separate arcs within those episodes but it, at least it led you to an it kept feeling like you were getting to an end point like it, mm. it kept bridging leading you on kind of thing like not dragging it but more like making it a bit more of a you know a big event thing this one here just felt like it's like Wow, I waited a week just for a dogfight. I'll watch go. I'll go watch. I'll go watch Clone Wars and Rebels. Like, mm. give me something new. Give me something different. We don't. We've never seen another galaxy. We've this new machine thing is so cool. Let's get to the cool new stuff. We we've already got the other stuff before. You know what I mean? Like, just something new and creative would be nice. You know, they have a good storyline here. Don't don't let it go to waste. It's definitely not on par currently with Andor in terms of storytelling. Yeah, that's what I think is a bit. Yeah, and we've had an Andor level storytelling with the action and the characters like we know from Rebels. It would be almost, you know, that's what I'm saying. I think there's just such a great 
um, opportunity for this show to excel in so many different ways. And that's why I think we want it to be as best as it can be. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, I think that's being more critical over, not not hating on it, but just a bit more critical and and wanting it to be good because we really do want it to be good. We love Ahsoka. So we want it to be And the Rebels. And Rebels. We love the characters, yeah. I think that's, yeah, the overall gist. There was um a moment that I want to see if you guys picked up on. It was as the ship went... No, no, no. It was before that. Um, During the dogfight towards the start, Ahsoka tells Sabine to go down to the cannon, which she does. Um, And then Ahsoka's trying to control what's happening. But then there's like this very almost long pause and a little musical chime. And then Ahsoka's like, I'll, I'll wait on your lead or I'll let you... You tell me what you need to do. I thought that was a really good character moment oh, for Ahsoka. Hmm? No, no, what were you saying? Was that when the thing when told her... Was that the thing where she told her to, like, flip the ship on her command thing? Um, the angle? Kind of, but it was... That bit? It was more... Like when, the bit when she said dive? Yeah, yeah, just before... Yeah, it was that, yeah. Um, mm. So there was just that moment where it was, like, that trust that I think might have been lacking in the original Master-Apprentice relationship. I thought that was very much... De- uh, important for Ahsoka's development, the fact that she's willing to trust Sabine, that she's seeing this development yeah. in her character, in Sabine's character and her training and her commitment that she's, Ahsoka's willing to go, yep, all right, I trust you completely. You tell me mm-hmm. what you need me to do. I thought that was really clever and good dialogue. Yeah. I just realized something when you were mentioning this. You know what this came to my mind? It's almost like Ahsoka right now is like, a force-sensitive Mandalorian, and Grogu is Sabine. Why are we having, like, Mandalorians trying to become Jedis? Like, obviously Grogu has a force, but, like, why do we need... It's almost like another one of these main, like, um, mentor figure, younger person that's in training for something. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, I just realised that. Now that I think of it, Sabine is so unique without having to be or have to use the force or tap into it. You know, we haven't even explored, like... Why isn't Ahsoka being like, look, you're not force sensitive, but you're a Mandalorian and you've got the armor, you have the tools, you have the brain, you have the, you know what I mean? Use all this and you can become a Jedi Mandalorian, but who doesn't, you know, use utilize the force. She has to rely on other abilities and stuff. Like what that'd be more creative and true to Sabine's character than trying to just force upon like another Jedi. Like, yeah, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with the, the the way they're going with Sabine, and it's kind of annoying me a little bit. Like it's it's like Ahsoka wouldn't do this normally. Like I don't know. Okay, it's a bit interesting. Yeah, I thought. Yeah, I think I agree with got, you on that. We've already got it. Yeah, yeah. I don't think she's really force sensitive, and mm. I agree that it's almost like not only the writers, but even Ahsoka as a character are trying to force her, pardon the pun, into using the force. <laughs> Yeah, literally. It's like And they're just fun. saying, well, everybody has the force, but you just need to train your skill to use it. Yeah, so I was like, well, shouldn't there be more force you users in the galaxy? Like you can't tell yeah. me that I feel like it so- kind of diminishes what a force sensitive person is. I was gonna say, you're telling me eighty percent of the population of the entire galaxy plus other galaxies are just too lazy to continue their training into the force. That's what she really said. And I was like, there's no way you just said that. Like like no. We all know that the force is a li- like a living thing that's in all of us, but it's not something you can just 
yeah, right now I'm going to tap into it. I'm going to utilize it because I want to train for this. Like other people would have done the same. There's no way you're telling me that like we don't have everyone being almost a force user. You would have more than half if that was the case for that. So I was like, well, uh, I don't know about that one, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I think at the end of the day, Sabine is a product of Dave Filoni. I don't yes. know if he, I think he understands what is best for her character, unless some top execs at Disney are like, nope, you've got to have it this way. Make her a Jedi right now. Um, yeah. So, unless <laughs> that... Unless that did happen, I think Dave. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, mm. I don't well, recall it... really any moments from Rebels that implied that she was force sensitive. There might have been, the... there yeah. might have been a few minor points, but I don't think overall the that, that there was the dark saber episode when Kanan's training her with his dark saber. Hera over to Com goes, um, you know, blah blah blah, blah and, and Kanan's like, she's what from the force i just you know i can't get through to her and get her to you know use it and all this kind of stuff so i was kind of saying that oh she has it but she's just not using it you know mm-hmm. what i mean well i'm like oh. so mm-hmm. i'm like people gonna people haven't watched rebels or people forgot about that instance they're gonna be like oh this is forcing another thing i'm not saying that it was never implied beforehand i just didn't want it to go that route because i thought she was really good on it like as her own yeah. character not another jedi i agree with that mm-hmm. um I think, do you guys want to say anything else? Because I want to bring up something quickly. Well, not quickly, but to uh, I might make a mention that last week in the episode, I, I mentioned I wonder if Hera and Kanan's son will appear. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he did for about 10 seconds. So that's interesting. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see if any further development comes off that or if it's just kind of a cameo. I want to be a Jedi. Did you did you guys notice that the uh it must have been the makeup team they covered his ears with um his hair so not yeah, yeah. as if not to show mm-hmm. the long the long prosthetic ears thought mm-hmm. that was interesting interesting yeah mm-hmm. um Mark are you all good I think that's okay. all I had to mention yeah all right now you touched on this earlier um but I want to chat about it a bit more in depth Hera and Mon Mothma. I thought this was a really interesting scene that shows the dynamic. And I know I talk about this every week saying that, you know, this show does really well at showing the state of the New Republic. But I think <laughs> even down to the fact that the senators, the people closest to the chancellor, are just so ignorant and corrupt is just yeah. the perfect representation for this New Republic and its flaws. There's... And it's as if nothing has changed. Exactly. Exactly. It's kind, of annoying. kind of annoying almost to watch so in a way. Because it's well, like it's frustrating, it's frustrating to watch. Yeah, I'm like, surely Mon, if she's a chancellor, surely we've already seen how good she is in Andor having to lay low. Surely she would have this structure to the T. Unless what they're trying to insinuate here is that a lot of the people, even on the political aspect of it, are maybe still imperial orientated. But I, think, they say I that... think that's what they alluded to. And in regards yeah. to you guys saying it's frustrating i think it's purposefully made to be frustrating i think that's what you guys were trying to say wasn't yeah. it yeah 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 it's just almost like though like with all these smart people that are on it that we know of wouldn't that almost contradict how they fall but then we can say how the jedi were blinded even in there and they're like you know super smart and all this it, kind of stuff. the thing is 
I mean, we've got to assume these senators are elected by the people of their planets. So these planets, right. the people could still be in support of the empire. That's why they could have imperial loyalists. Mm-hmm. Or they could be just voting in, you know, a famous war hero or something, even a celebrity. The celebrity. So they may not even be loyal to the New Republic necessarily. Yeah, exactly. Like that. he's probably a celebrity to do that. Hera absolutely roasts. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's what I was thinking as well. Yeah, that was one of my favorite scenes. Of the Actually, episode. second is close. It's close to the soaker on the ship, in my opinion. Uh, I'm I'm glad you guys mentioned that too before we started recording because I was like, I hope other people picked that up because I was like, yeah, that was that was a cold line from Hera and she did that so well. Up, that was more, yeah. most Hera acting I think that she's. I agree. Right yeah. Now. Yeah. Like snappy response. I was thinking this. This is Hera. Mm. This is Hera. Mm. I Did liked... you fight in the war, Senator? Yeah, yeah. That was that was a great line. I quite like so, the line, yeah. um, long live the Empire doesn't seem very loyal. Yeah. She's saying mm-hmm. to that um, bastard of a man. I can't remember his name. And also, find it interesting that one of Hera's um, generals or command people warns her about his presence in the meeting before yeah. she goes in. So there's some yeah. history there. So, I can't say I picked up on that actually. So that's yeah, interesting. Yeah, did. And that's why he goes, Oh, that went well, like as always. <laughs> every yeah. I just thought that was uh, really interesting and great dialogue. So I think, you know, the writers, I don't, can't remember who wrote this episode, but I give them a lot of credit for these little one liners that just have so much meaning and impact behind them. I, I don't know. I don't personally, I don't think this is too much of a stretch, but I would go as far as saying that that scene in that room with the holograms, the writing was on par with Andor writing. Yep. I was waiting for you. I, you know, why Mon Mothma, the Mon Mothma effect probably is. Yeah, it's probably why, it felt- but I don't even mean like it connects to Andor. I'm just saying the quality of the writing was that good. I, I, I think, yeah, I think it, I think. Honestly, that could be ripped out from Andor and you wouldn't even know if you didn't know the characters mm. at that time period. You, you could do it, yeah, from the other perspective. We could yeah. see Chancellor Momothma chatting to General Singular out in space. Hmm. I thought I thought, I thought, thought it was a well-structured thing. And also, I thought it was interesting that Steph Green, this is the second one in a row, isn't it? Yeah. Directing. Yeah, interesting. I don't know. Like, I don't think when... Because it is said that Dave wrote the whole thing, wasn't it? Right? So this is my thing. This is another thing I want to bring up with you guys is does the director have that much influence when things are already pre-written? You know what I mean? Like not like the other Mandalorian show where it was like each one was written and kind of directed by that singular person in the larger establishment of it. Like does Steph Green have a lot of kind of leeway or is it more that she has to go through these things, but she can do it in a visual way that she wants? Well, I think... She probably get, has consultation with the writers, and I'm sure that throughout shooting, they probably speak with each other and think, oh, how can we change this scene? Or how can we do it to match what I think it should be? Um, yeah. But I, yes, in terms of writing and the dialogue, definitely there's probably not a lot of room for movement. But in terms of mm. how the lines are delivered, and I guess that's why screenwriting is such an important job, because you've yeah. got to capture... Mm what a show slash movie is going to look like without painting a picture. You gotta just mm-hmm. describe it to your best to the best of your ability. So yeah. Yeah, I give writers a lot of credit. It's difficult. And and that's why with everything going on in the world currently yeah. right now, like they deserve the the most because without the writers we wouldn't have any of these shows or anything. 
So you have to give credit where credit's due. I just thought, let's let Kathleen Kennedy just write a show and see it absolutely flop. Yeah, see how that that goes, Kathleen, yeah. Uh, Pay the people. people. (laughs) That's it. Um, I just, I liked, I think it was you, Mark, that said it. Uh, There was a point about Mon Mothma. Um, I, I thought it's almost like a foil to her Andor self. In Andor, she's laying very low. She doesn't have, well, she has, she doesn't really have a lot of power. She's kind of like digging around trying to get finances and um, partnerships and stuff. And I think it's interesting that she feels so much more of a threat and in control in that scenario. But when she has the power, she has the allies, Mm. she has the resources, she's kind of a bit powerless. You know, it's, it wasn't her decision. It wasn't her decision yeah. to not send the fleet. It was mm. the decision of the council. She can't control that. Bit of a paradox. I was going to say it's it's almost like it's almost like um she realized that with the kind of situation she's in, she can't be the sole majority. Even though she's a chancellor, she can't be the authorizing vote, which could be maybe one of the downfalls of the new republic. Maybe they don't listen to their actual people in command and just try to you know, community vote kind of thing, even though it's, like, not right. Because she was the only one that essentially reacted the most serious to the, the threat of Thrawn. She, she understood the like, threat of Thrawn. The others kind of just brushed off like it was another kind of general. Yeah, definitely. Exactly, I actually, exactly. I think it's quite interesting. You've got to think about just the general citizen in this time period who's, like, living from the end of the Empire to the start of the First Order, they've had probably three of the worst galactic governments of the history of the galaxy. The Empire was... I mean, the Empire can kind of be viewed as if you were kind on of in side. control. They, they ruled yeah. for a long time. The New Republic were just a shamb- were shambles from the start. And then the First really Order was. just ruled with such an iron grip that it was just impossible to do anything. So Anything. But yeah. don't forget, you can go even further back and have the original Republic. I don't think they were as Iron Grip. I think... You... No, but I'm just saying they could have lived through all four of those periods. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry. And they <laughs> and they may have, uh, you know, they may have thought the Republic was so corrupt. Mm-hmm. And, you know, could, it just depends on their viewpoint, really. Think mm-hmm. of it analytically speaking. Mark, you, you would probably like to answer this one. I'd like to see your opinion on this one. Um, if you're not... Taking a side, obviously, we probably would side with the Republic in terms of, you know, good versus bad. But um, would it almost be like the old, Re- not old Republic, because that would be linking um the Jedi Council Republic era, right? How about we then, call that the original Republic? Yeah. And then you got, so you got them, and then you got the Empire, right? Together, would that kind of be a mixture of almost the, what the First Order is? Because, like, they're trying to rule... Because the Empire rules with, like, an iron grip. However, First Order people were also kind of naive, a bit similar to the Republic, right? Thinking that they already... There was no other threat to them. They couldn't be taken down kind of thing. So it's almost like each of these factions have almost had similar... Even, like, the Empire even being in control for that long almost had sort of similar downfalls. So, like, we can say the New Republic's real bad because of how least amount of time they held into the power of the galaxy but it's almost like they never even had a good you know yeah. footing to begin with a good, yeah good foundation to defend themselves have a good foundation. and and you that makes I mean? you wonder how on earth any galactic government 
gets that foundation. Because if you have to establish it straight after the fall of another one, like, how do you do that without a massive following, without a massive... Well, yeah, see, like, that's what I was about to movement. say in, in regards to the, the start of the empire. Palpatine had all the support he needed. And yes. and the mm-hmm. foundation was the destruction of the Republic. So the so empire, you- the empire started out on good footing already, which is probably mm-hmm. what allowed it to stay in power for so long. Uh, yeah, I think that's kind of similar to the Republic too. Before when they took out the Sith initially, I think they thought that after that happened, they were like, yeah, we're we're sorted now. You know, there's no more you know, Sith Lords and all this kind of stuff, we we must be all good kind of thing. But then they, as the years progressed, they progressively got less and less aware of the situations around them. Yeah. So I guess yeah. it's similar to the Empire too, even with the footing that Palpatine gave them. So it's uh, it's like, it's, like, it's almost like it's impossible to have one faction like stay in power for like the whole time, like That's for a it. long, extensive period like that. Well, yeah. If I may say, when you were referring to the, and in beginnings of these new forms of governances, it kind of, and I wouldn't have to do this every episode, but I think I'm going to have to go again with the poor writing of the sequel films uh-huh. because I've, I, I viewed the, I have viewed the first order as such a fringe group right on the edge of the galaxy who are like, all they really have is a strong military force. Yeah. And the only reason they could take over is because well, coincidentally enough, they managed to turn an entire planet into a weapon of mass destruction and, and just completely exploded the new Republic. Yeah, what? I actually almost agree with you on that, but it's also, I don't know if I would say it would be a criticism on the, on the sequels. I'd almost think that, I mean, I, honestly, it probably is because I don't think they deliberately meant this. However, it is interesting to see that the First Order almost completely put aside politics and just went for military for like force rather than like anything to do with like even the chancellor right when he's making the empire a thing he still had so much political you know discussions disputes trying to like do trades and all this kind of stuff i feel like first sort of just well like nah let's just build the biggest weapon we can and just take him out and then it has to be us you know it could be intentional exactly yeah so yeah i like that do you guys have any other comments before we wrap up no no mark that was a lot more of a theory-based uh, video. This it was, yeah. and I was going to say hats off to you guys because uh, we had our um, thinking caps and uh, analytical caps on today. We did. Um, yes, some it was. I'd say it was quite an analytical. Yeah, an analytical episode. So yeah. I think in terms of what we all kind of want next week, we need to probably switch galaxies next week. At least get some. At least get a Thrawn cameo. What? What I want is to see, if we do that, see the other galaxy, I would only want to see it for a short period of time. Don't, yeah. Maybe a couple of yeah, minutes. Because I wouldn't want the whole episode to be there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Maybe I, just I, a little taste of, you, be, you know, what, what are Thrawn and Ezra are up to. I would be happy if they did, like, they half the episode almost. Like, the first half was Ahsoka trying to stop the map from getting, like, you know, take away <laughs> the map from them before they teleport to the thing. However... Balin gets it back up to the thing that the the rings finish. They teleport. Second half of the thing, we get that, and it kind of leaves you hanging for the next one, being like, "Oh, oh the bad guys have gotten the drawn. What's well, going to happen now?" Oh, actually, I was about to say the thing about that is then how would a Sokran Sabine get there? But then I remember maybe they can use the whale creatures. Yep. 
Mm-hmm. Could be sick. Could be cool. Yeah. A lot of theorizing. I love it. Well, it's a dangerous game, isn't but it? I don't I don't want to be pessimistic, but I don't think we'll be getting any if or much if any of that. I don't Next think any Thrawn. I, yeah. I I will I will say my my percentage for Thrawn coming. I reckon is about like fifteen to twenty percent. Yeah, that's even higher than I would think. Yeah, I don't think there's much. I don't think there's much. Well, we'll find out next week. Um, thanks for checking out our. It's more of an analysis today rather than a a breakdown. I mm. think, um, it's good to have these sort of discussions. Just a reminder: we do have social media. Uh, we post pretty much every week on Instagram and TikTok and Facebook. So go check out those all under Coruscant Nights. You can find them via our YouTube channel banner. Um, we're also doing the finale of the poster tournament. That is happening right now. So go vote. I'll we'll give it a couple of days before we announce the winner, just to try and get as many votes as we can. But that's been really interesting to see uh, unfold and. We're excited to reveal the winner to you. Not that we can really give out any sort of, you know, prize right. or anything because it's a poster, <laughs> but <laughs> we can give it an acknowledgement. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, go vote. That'll close in a couple of days, I guess. Patreon, go support us. Thanks to Ben and Akita again for their support. Um, link is via Instagram bio. And I think I've nailed everything. I, I don't come mm. in with a structure every week. I just kind of freeball, uh, freehand it. But yeah, is that it? Every everyone said what they wanted to say. Cool. All right. I think that's it. Yep. Thanks for joining us again. Thanks for listening. And we will catch you next week with episode four. See you Bye. later, everyone. Bye.